Hello and thanks for downloading Reset from SAP. My name is Rich Phillips and I run the indirect business for SAP in its EMEA South region. That's the Mediterranean Basin, Middle East and Africa. And in a slight change of format from our previous episodes, I'm delighted to be joined by Sergio Makota and Manos Raptopoulos from SAP's MENA South and Italy and Greece regions respectively for a discussion on how their regions have been challenged and how they've changed during the pandemic. So welcome both of you. Manos, could you let our viewers and listeners know what you're responsible for in SAP and how many people are in your team? Hello, uh, thank you very much, Rich, for giving us this uh, opportunity. Uh, I'm responsible for the cluster we call um, Italy, Greece, uh, Cyprus and Malta. Obviously, Italy being the, the largest entity in uh, into this uh, cluster. And uh, in our organization, we have about uh, 700 people, if you include also the sales uh, people, consulting and uh, marketing and support staff. Uh, and Sergio, the same question uh, for you. What are your responsibilities in SAP and, and how big is your team? The Middle East South region is quite a, a vast region. Starts north uh, with uh, Egypt, the Levant countries, Libya, and then goes south, uh, passing through Qatar, the entire UAE, Oman, and the, the, the southern part of the Arabian Peninsula. In uh, the region, we have uh, several offices in order to cover all of the responsibility and all of the countries. And uh, across the region, we have uh, around 550 people. Certainly uh, a region full of interesting geopolitical challenges on a fairly regular basis. It is indeed. So let, let, let's start actually by asking how things are in, uh, in Dubai and uh, in Milan. Uh, and the current situation in terms of working environment. So, um, Manos, in your situation in Milan, what is the the current situation in terms of COVID and the working environment that your teams and I guess our partners have to uh, work within? Right. So, definitely the situation remains uh, challenging from a pandemic uh, perspective. The government has been managing the situation in a way that we we go back to business and we restrict a little bit our movements through the last uh, months. I think there is a lot of optimism in the market. Uh, I would comment that uh, Italy in particular being one of the countries, especially in Europe, that was hit uh, first, and I, I would say was hit also quite hard in the pandemic, has reacted in a, in a way that uh, I would describe a way of resilience and a way that uh, the market, the entrepreneurs and the businesses in all uh, sizes of businesses actually uh, responded in a remarkable way. Uh, so they, they refused to sit back after the initial shock. I would say that obviously everybody was was focusing on uh, taking care of their employees and making sure that safety was there. They very, very quickly switched into a very active mode of responding to the crisis, trying to connect the dots between what was exactly what they have to do in order to, to respond um, in the best way possible. It's a very competitive market. It's a market in the middle of, uh, of Europe, basically. And, and therefore, there was uh, basically no moment that, uh, that the people, let's say, relaxed uh, in this uh, situation. So at the point we are now, I believe we're in a, in a much better point in terms of optimism, although there are definitely challenges on board. And as the vaccine is being rolled out in Europe and Italy in particular, I think we're that we are looking in uh, 2021 in a very optimistic way. But I have to say that 2020 was also a very strong year in terms of business. And, and do you think that there were any particular aspects of, of the Italian economy or market that enabled its businesses to move so quickly when COVID happened? Well, I, I would say, yeah, uh, if I go back a year, when we started, I mean, End of February, the uh, situation started to become quite uh, unclear and nobody was expecting what was going to follow, even as events unfolded in the next uh, two, three weeks even. I think initially we were very, everybody was very cautious. We didn't know enough. And certainly there was a, there was a sense of making sure that uh, we get our people safe. Relatively quickly, this, uh, this changed into a mode where the office of the CFO, let me call it like this, took charge, especially in, the, in our mid-market customers and where the entrepreneur is obviously very close to the business and personally invested with their own wealth in many ways. Uh, they, they, they took a, a very cautious view about how much runway do we have? Uh, how much money can we get out from the market? Uh, what is the worst case scenario? And they tried to plan around this. Right after, and this is where the thing uh, started to become clear about you know, the resilience of the market, 
all the people that were very close to the business started thinking, what can we do better? How can we fix a better supply chain? How can we make sure that we are closer to our end customer? And how can we actually make sure that now that we do not rely on retail in order to, to, to get to our customers, how we can create the bridge between a digital experience and our supply chain in order to be able to, to service them at the best possible way? So they started doing point solutions, I would say. We would call them the dots. And right after, they started uh, connecting the dots. And I believe the underlying principle uh, of, of, of the dynamism of the market is the fact that in Italy, especially in the mid-market uh, space, there are companies that design, manufacture, and export out of Italy. So there is a lot of intellectual capital, let me call it, in the market, and a lot of uh, dynamism and private um, initiative, let me say, to, to get out there. So I believe that the combination of very good reaction and the inherent ability of the market to respond were the two prime factors. Interesting. Sounds like then that COVID perhaps accelerated a number of these partners to a more digital remote approach. Absolutely. We, we saw that happening uh, across the board and very, very fast. I, I would comment, uh, let's say, on a number of customers, even large ones. I think we had uh, Telecom Italia during the pandemic actually switching to uh, S4, uh, uh, our latest version of the solution. Uh, but I would comment also mid-market customers like Denora that had completely, they switched directly to completely remote, remote way of doing business uh, with, with consulting being delivered through our partners directly to them. And, and Sergio, obviously we, we've just heard from Manos in terms of the situation fundamentally within Italy, I guess, within his region. How has it been in the United Arab Emirates, at least from afar, from someone like me sitting sitting in the UK, looking at the British media, the foreign media? It, it looks like it, it's been a relatively light affair. It looks like COVID hasn't been that serious in the UAE. Uh, I, I guess the first question is, is that perception right? And if it is or isn't, what, what has the situation been for you uh, and our partners? Yeah, but definitely it's not comparable, the impact of the coronavirus and the pandemic across the region versus what has happened in, in Italy at the beginning and the rest of the Western Europe and in the world. You are right, the perception is that from a population perspective, much younger, much more sparse, and probably also the effect of a warmer climate has affected much less the population in comparison to what has happened in, um, in Western Europe. From um, a response of the government, uh, especially here in the UAE, I have to admit that I've seen uh, a strong response and very well organized. So this is uh, a good uh, pride for, uh, for the government of the UAE. I just uh, recently went through the first shot of the, of the vaccine that is offered uh, for free at the entire population. They are giving uh, the prevalence to the Chinese vaccine due to the lack of uh, availability of other uh, more modern vaccines, but still the organization is very good. So this, together with the lockdown that has been operated by the government, especially here in the UAE at the beginning of the pandemic, has probably protected a lot the population. Though, if I have to analyze from the economy perspective, probably the economy, especially here in the UAE, is by far much more delicate <clears throat> than in Europe. Consider that 80%, 85% of the population of the UAE, it's done by expert. In the moment of the, of the peak of the pandemic, companies have started having issues reducing salaries as well as firing or reducing the, the number of workers. Uh, if you are an expat here in the UAE without a stable job, you don't uh, stay because you don't have a visa. So uh, they have calculated that around 12% of the UAE population left the Emirati during uh, the, the summer. When so, so no, no furlough scheme in the UAE as we've had in in Europe. Then th th that's uh, that's correct. That's correct. Now. Why this has happened? As Manos said, the, the, the Western Europe economy is by far more stable and more oriented towards intellectual properties and, uh, and export. The economy here in the region, even if in the UAE the oil is not representing the lion's share of the GDP, it's still the volatility of the oil has still impacted a lot of the stability of the companies and their capacity of investing with a mid or long-term uh, strategy. 
on top, large part of the GDP of the UAE is uh, around tourism, it's around retail, luxury expenditure, that were the first element to be cut at the beginning of the, of the lockdown. So the economy and the companies, especially all of the service companies that are around the tourism, around hospitality, have been badly affected. And this has created a bit of a uh, chain reaction, especially if I'm looking at the mid-market, the area where we are operating by far much more with the support of our partners. Mm-hmm. Large companies have probably been a bit more resilient in terms of investment and in terms of decision. But if I'm looking at the core of 2020, Q2 and Q3, the capacity of smaller companies to have the confidence to make an investment on a mid or long term was by far affected and reduced from the market situation. And that has created also a bit of a ripple on on our partners. So if I'm looking at the two major categories of the partners, the GSSI, the largest one that are working on a big multi-year project, they probably have managed to transform their delivery in remote in a very short amount of time. And this was impressive. And they have been much more resilient local or regional companies that are more on uh, selling, reselling smaller projects and serving smaller or mid-market companies, they've been much more uh, affected from, uh, from the crisis and from the slowdown of the business. Positive enough, we start seeing a change, a turn in, um, in the decision making and in the economy in Q4. So most likely the fact that uh, there is this uh, hope that the vaccine will be largely available soon. People uh, are seeing that companies are uh, becoming a bit more stable. The first impact has passed. So there is uh, an aura of positive in, uh, in the market, I would say. And do you, do you foresee personally that there'll be any lasting change to the structure of the economy in the UAE. You mentioned that retail and tourism badly affected, perhaps not going to come back until, what, 2022. Do you think that will structurally change things? To get back for several companies or several industries to the to the grandeur of uh, two or three years ago, it will probably take two or three years still. I was uh, discussing with a big airline customer of ours and they are reshaping completely their business. They have grounded all of the 380s and their plan is to transform from a mass airline transporting and moving people across the globe into a much more focused boutique airline in terms of providing a quality service. But this is definitely changing completely the dynamic in the economy of the company. And this is uh, probably in the mostly affected uh, industry like airlines, but the same is happening in the hospitality. Uh, I think that it will take a bit before the economy, especially the tourism economy, will resume the same uh, income or the same production of GDP as it was uh, doing before. So let, let's, let us now move, move on and, and, and think a little bit about last year. Um, intro, I'm interested to, to understand the, the the big challenges that you saw through that period of COVID. You know the very uncertain times that we had, uh, and then the changes that we we've seen. I mean, Sergio mentioned the, the the changes in particular sectors, but in terms of SAP and 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 how it how it works with its partners, how do you think that changed, and 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 what what have you seen being the big challenges of working with with our partners in the last year or so? Well, let's say that uh, since the beginning of the, of the crisis, uh, we try to work immediately together with the partners in order to identify the best possible uh, offering for, uh, for our customers. And this has been um, done at four ends with a strong support from, from our partners. So identifying um, niche solutions that could help customers to become more resilient or to help them in coordinating better logistics or reaching far customers or securing their customers, especially in a moment in which the end customers were spending less or even leaving the, the country, has been a joint operation and a very effective one helped by our partners. Their competence by industry 
as a help in drafting the right point of view, the right business cases. So this is from a collaboration with partners. What has happened, what we felt that has happened in the market, I don't see too much of a transformation, but a higher demand in being sharper, in being more competitive and in demonstrating business cases. These are the three elements that definitely have been, uh, have become uh, the, the, the light motive every time that we were dealing with new customers. So it's not probably any more um, easy, like it was in the past taking a wider decision, but uh, they are taking specific decisions, more based on line of businesses, more based on resolving the specific problem, and then entering into a, a partnership that is long lasting. But at the beginning, the need is to demonstrate. So that probably has been the difference. If I'm looking, for example, at the number of transactions, just as an example, last year, the number of transactions did not decrease year over year. So we sold the same, exactly the same number of transactions. In, in few markets, especially here in the UAE or in Egypt, the number of transactions increase even year over year. The problem is the deal, the average deal size. So both SAP as well as our partners had to deal with much more fragmented transactions. In order to secure customer satisfaction and to maintain the longer relationship with the customer, the effort has been much much higher. And that has been the, the transformation. So sharpening the mind, becoming more uh, resilient and uh, more uh, brilliant in winning against a, a fierce competition have been the rule of the game for 2020. It sounds like what you were saying just at the end there, uh, customers perhaps not so willing to enter into a, a purchase right at the start for everything they might need, but very much waiting to do it step by step. Is that a fair comment? That it is. It is, especially on mid uh, mid-sized companies. Okay, yeah, interesting. And and, and Manos, this, what are the sort of challenges that you've seen in in, in your region? Are they similar to Sergio's? I would agree 100% to most of what uh, Sergio mentioned. In uh, especially the fragmentation uh, side, in terms of how many orders our partners were were able to uh, to process, let's say within the year, and how many projects they would uh, be able to deliver. Uh, definitely, we saw we saw a change there. As customers, especially at the start of the pandemic, were becoming more cautious, and as we were saying earlier, they were trying to do some uh, to cover some of the dots, let's say, around around their uh, their infrastructure. A few things that worked well for us with regards to uh, how we worked with our partners. Firstly, we worked a lot on the demand side, tried to compensate for the lack of physical presence with a number of uh, digital events that uh, actually our partners were, were prime, let's say, participants into that uh, with directly providing content, bringing their own customers to speak to other customers. And that human touch was very, very important. Uh, I would say that uh, the digital is not as effective as an in-person, uh, let me say, event, but it was very important, especially you know when things were quite tough in the February, March, April uh, timeframe, that customers were hearing from each other, not only from us, not only from uh, partners, but customers talking to each other. And, and we, we launched a number of those events, as I said, with the help of our partners, and that um, helped sustain the demand or sustain the conversation at, at the business level, as everybody was trying to define the blueprint, right? Nobody had a manual for what has happened. So everybody was very, very keen to understand what other companies are doing, either from own industry or, or otherwise. On the other side, we also understood the, the fact, which is more or less obvious, if you have a partner, and especially if that partner is, is operating in the mid-market business, it's a kind of an intermediary, means that they, they have to collect from the end customer. Sometimes they also have to invest before they collect, and they have also to, uh, let's say, uh, pay customers like ourselves, suppliers like SAP in that case. So especially as they were operating in the mid-market space. And as I said earlier, the mid-market was the first market to pull the brakes as the entrepreneurs were trying to understand what exactly was the, um, what would be the, how the situation would unfold. We had to be very cautious about their cash flow. So understanding exactly what their needs are, 
how fast they could come to us and, and, and be as predictable as we could, right? So in, in some cases, we tried to, to, uh, to help. In some other cases, they also reached out and provided, uh, let's say, the right level of, of, of solution there. But I think that there was a very important factor that I would underline as trust in, in, in a nutshell. That worked very well. In, and, and from a business perspective, and, and that, that was quite interesting, uh, we saw it towards the, the last four months of the year, we saw a significant shift of the market and therefore our partners' capabilities to deliver towards cloud. So we, we saw the what we call the on-premise business being challenged. Uh, for the people that are hearing us, that is a, a mainstream business for SAP, uh, has to do a lot with, uh, uh, let's say, the partner selling the software but um, the, the, the partner implementing on infrastructure that is provided in general by the customer. In the cloud, uh, in the cloud world, this is not the case. We deliver an end-to-end -end service, and our partners are, are very key to that. So we saw, uh, let's say, a, a big shift towards an outcome-based model that our partners embraced. And actually, that part of the business, what we call cloud, saw a growth of 35 uh, percentage points year on year. Which, is, which was very, very significant and was quite impressive. If, if you would ask me at, uh, in, in February, March, if I would foresee that for the end of the year, I would clearly say that that was going to be very, very challenging to get there. But effectively, it was the case. Interesting. Sounds like, it, again, it, it's been that accelerator for the market to move on to these new technologies that I guess we've talked a lot about over the last few years. So thinking specifically now of, of, of customers and, and particularly customers in, in the mid-market, how do you think their needs have, have changed? You touched on some of that, that just then, but what are they looking for today that perhaps they weren't one or one and a half years ago? And that, that's to you, Manus. Yes, that's, that's a very good question, Rich. In, in, I would say that there is a constant across the board, regardless of the size of the customer, in the short term, everybody is focusing on being more resilient. And resilience also has to do with uh, not only taking care of the, of the top line, but also taking care of the bottom line. So things like savings, making sure that they have the proper business case uh, before investing, competing between different investments uh, and uh, control, better control of the, of the supply chain, and fulfillment of the end customer request, I think is, is, is a tendency that we not only have been seeing in the market, but it was further, let me say, underlined due to what happened in the, in the pandemic. This is also, uh, I would say, aggravated by the fact that, as I mentioned previously, there are a lot of customers in the, in the market that are designing, manufacturing, exporting, uh, let's say, in markets outside Italy. Of course, Italy being a place where they also have to perform, I mean, in the internal market, but uh, exporting and competing in a global basis, especially in Western Europe, uh, seems to be a, a constant. If you talk about customers, for instance, that are in the fashion industry, they are truly global, although they are not huge in, in terms, they have huge brands, but they are not very big as uh, if you compare them as, as individual companies, and they, of course, uh, compete uh, worldwide. One of the things that we that we saw is that the, the, the need for customization of their own products and the need to be able to, to provide the quicker solutions to their customers in a cost-efficient way. And if I can be specific, let's say there is one, one particular customer that comes, comes to mind. The customer is, is Grupo Bonomi. Grupo Bonomi is uh, headquartered in Brescia. Uh, it's uh, about 600 employees and a little bit below 200 million annual turnover. They, they operate in the industrial sector of hydraulics. Uh, they, they provide components for heating and components for the oil and gas uh, industry. And uh, their project was actually about creating an infrastructure that uh, would enable them to do this in a global environment and providing more customization to the customers. So they turned to us for a for an ERP in the cloud solution. We, we, it's, it was the S4 HANA cloud for us in terms of the, of the product that, uh, that we suggested to the customer. So the, the good things were that in their case, the, the quality of the product helped them standardize and uh, created for them the, the platform in order to be able to customize, control the cost, and compete internationally. Fascinating, fascinating. And, and uh, next question maybe more appropriately directed at you, Sergio, is 
those of you listening to the podcast have probably worked out Sergio uh, actually hails from Italy originally, even though he's he's based in the Middle Eastern region right now. So puts you in a very good position, perhaps, and also welcome your comments as, as well to this Manos. But Sergio, how, how do you believe that the respective markets differ? Yeah, you're right. My heart is still uh, in Italy. Simple question, hard answer. Well, first of all, the size of the market, it's definitely different. Uh, GDP of Italy, it's a two trillion versus uh, a sum of the GDPs of the countries here that barely reach uh, 900 billion. That said, uh, um, there is another difference, major difference that we were touching base before. Italy, it's a country that has a lot to export. The Middle East, it's a region that has a lot to import, needs to import. So the dynamics of the construction of the GDP, so the dynamics for sustainability or resilience of companies are completely different. But if I'm comparing the need for a company in terms of trusting, in terms of having a business case and making a decision in order to make their business by far much more resilient and sustainable, especially in a crisis moment like this. I think that this is similar. When I came here to the Middle East, it's a few years ago, I would say, I landed in 2002 and I moved in 2006. I was used to compare the Middle East like like Italy uh, 10 years uh, before. So the Middle East market was a bit behind the schedule in terms of adoption of innovation or integration of the solution. As of today, on the contrary, the requirements are exactly the same. And this is reflecting on our partners. I remember ages ago in Italy, partners were already approaching customers with pre-configured solution in order to facilitate adoption. This is happening here in in the Middle East and especially in Dubai in this period. The crisis, the lower amount of funds or budgets available as well as the higher competition are pushing partners of ours to pre-configure solutions, to create packages and to address them by industry in order to help their customers. So this probably has been an acceleration that has brought some more similarities versus what was happening already several years ago in Italy. I just visited recently a partner of ours that has created an experience center dedicated to customers in order to make them touching with their hands, that we are not talking about an ideas for the future, but we are talking about a reality to help their business now. And on top, when the customer gets fascinated of the possibility of the, of the innovation of the technology, the, the, the last positive news is you can adopt it in a matter of weeks with not anymore a classical waterfall approach, but with an agile methodology that can bring already the first results in a matter of four, eight weeks. And this is exactly what customers are asking as of today. We need to be helped to be able to consume in smaller bites and in uh, in a more effective way. And I believe that this is exactly what mid customers or companies are asking in Italy. I do believe that that's exactly the same. So wanting to see a much, much faster return on the investments they make then? Indeed, indeed. There is not any more the time that there was five or six years ago. Forget big companies. If I'm talking about the classical suspect in the natural resources or aluminium, these are companies that are by far looking at a much longer period and probably also much more affected from the shrink of the cost of the oil as well as the natural resources. But if I'm looking at the smaller companies that went through a period of silence in the period between March until October, probably six, seven months, as of today, they have to catch up. And this is what the the, the crisis has created. They need to catch up. They need to uh, shrink the implementation time and definitely they want to have a return uh, much quicker. And Manos, you mentioned you'd seen a significant 
increase in in the interest in cloud solutions from mid-market customers in the last, I think it was four months of the year, I think you mentioned. Do you think that was caused by that same catch-up that Sergio has mentioned, or are there other imperatives in in your markets? I think that um, one significant factor that was underlined by the pandemic was, as I mentioned, the need for resilience. And exactly as the customers were trying to identify which are the weaker, uh, let me say, links in their internal operational supply chain in general, they found out that uh, probably cloud is a more resilient way, uh, by the way, making also sense from a business case point of view, because Sergio is absolutely right. The business case is what drives uh, decisions in most of those cases. But the combination of uh, increased security, higher resilience, uh, the fact that the customer has the, the ability to much more quickly adopt the solution. That were the major dynamics that um, were made very, very clear during the pandemic. So if you want a fast return on investment, quicker time to value, these things started to be more relevant in these, uh, in these days, in these uh, months. And that's why we saw that um, uh, acceleration. By the way, in, in our mid-market space, they were the early adopters, if you if you will, in, into the into the overall client base of uh, what we have in Italy. So for for some reason that probably has to do with what we have been discussing in the last uh, minutes, it, it the, that was the most quickly to adopt by a part of the market. So th- this is what I, how how I would see it. But because I fully agree with Sergio, it's about time to market. It's about um, resilience. It's about all those things that have been converging regardless of the differences of, of the economies that we have between UAE and Italy. And I guess likely they won't go away. They'll be with us now for, for good. Yeah, I would, I would say so. Yeah, I would say so because they make sense from a business fundamentals point of view. So a fundamental inflection point in our industry. So we, we, we've talked a little bit about our customers, a little bit about our partner. Let's think about our own teams right right now. If you think about your 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 own teams and obviously you mentioned them right at the start how have their needs changed in in the last year uh, and and by extension have you or how have you changed how you support uh, your your teams and again perhaps the same thought about partners how have you changed how you address uh, our, our partner teams the biggest impact has been definitely the complete shift in a matter of one or two weeks from a relational model that here, especially in the Middle East, it's the core of our culture into a completely cold and digital connection from remote. And to be honest with you, sometimes running large negotiations or Preaching a customer or convincing or demonstrating a customer about the viability of multi-million projects in remote through Teams, it's uh, it's not the same uh, easy step that it was before. Following up, it's definitely much more difficult. And that has been uh, uh, the same from our side as well as from the partner side. So the lack of um, relationship that, again, it's typical of uh, the the Arabic culture has probably affected a lot the the transformation at the beginning. To be honest with you, the teams, both inside as well as from uh, from the customer, I have to admit that have reacted quite well. So apart from the first uh, one or two months uh, shock, then there has been a dramatic transformation. And as of today, nobody is uh, is disputing anymore if uh, a call or a video call can be efficient in discussing some of the elements, even if the market is uh, it's reopening. So uh, we are slightly or doubly reopening our offices as well as our customers. There is a lot of uh, precautions, but uh, making physical meeting is becoming possible. In terms of organization, what did we do since the beginning? Well, during the first impact, again, um, not being alone and being able to work with partners that we are facing the same type of a problem has helped a bit also mentally our teams, our joint teams on what should have been done. 
I appreciated a lot uh, the involvement on uh, industry value engineers, uh, consultants coming from the partners uh, in order to pre-configure a proposal that, that could be delivered properly in, uh, in a remote uh, way. We went uh, one, uh, one step further. We, we created, uh, together with the support of the partners, Swim Lane organized by solutions, by, um, by industries, uh, in order to let them become in, uh, the, the front runner in the market expansion. And probably this pandemic, and the need to stay closer to the customer has accelerated this because I, I saw the transformation of our relationship with the partner in the past 12 months have been almost an hockey stick in comparison to the past 10 years. And this is what I could, I could say that probably the best takeover of what has been happening in the past 12 months, even if nobody would have loved to go through what everybody has experienced in order to get an even closer cooperation with our partners. Indeed, yeah. I, I heard somebody say a little while ago, it, it, 2020 was probably the first year where when you asked the question, how are you, somebody actually meant it. I think a, a, subtle, a subtle change perhaps, maybe that's one that will continue. But interesting that you've seen closer relationships being forged. And, 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 and Manos, going back to that same question for, for you, you know, about your team and their needs and, and, and partners, I mean, how have you, have you seen that evolve? Because you know, Sergio's got a big territory, but let's, let's not forget, of course, you know, the distance between Cyprus and Malta and the differences between the cultures between Italy, Greece, and, and, and those two as well. So, you know, big differences across your region. Yes, Rich. So I, I would say that um, in, in, in our case, I would start from the fundamental uh, that is, we are people businesses. If, if we talk about ourselves our SAP, as SAP, if we talk about our partners and, of course, our customers, at the end of the day, everything we do is because people are around those businesses, right? And the, the, the fact that you mentioned asking the question, how are you and really listening for, for the answer? Are you really okay? Uh, especially in Italy and in some parts of Italy, specifically the Lombardy region in Milan, was very, very relevant. There were people in our company that were touched directly. Thankfully, none of our staff so far, uh, knock on wood, has, hasn't suffered, although they've been infected. Nobody has, has had seriously a serious, uh, let's say, disease, but um, very close relatives, uh, mothers and fathers, were, were, were part of those that uh, COVID took away. So it was fundamentally a, a people issue in the beginning uh, of, of that as we were trying to understand how to navigate. So listening carefully was uh, something that was very, very critical at those days because every case was an individual case at the end of the day. Uh, we were 700 individuals and multiply that by whatever our partners' uh, uh, numbers are. So I think... Empathy was was uh, an important, I would say, element. You have to li- you have to listen carefully, and if possible, provide the right the, the right margin in order for the people to do what what they wanted and what they felt they could they should have done. For instance, it might sound uh, very basic at this point, but we were we early on we said to the people, if you want to stay home, to, you can't stay home. It's it's up to you. Some people were coming because they felt like we're coming, but that never became, uh, let's say, uh, a, a topic of, uh, of, of this agreement. What was also very important, because also we have to think about a corporation is not a, a company, is not uh, one thing, right? Many individuals, different backgrounds, different levels of seniority. We had uh, super independent uh, senior people, but we have had also young talents. Uh, people that came to work for, for us, and, in our, and for our partners for the first year in their life, maybe the first month. And they haven't seen anybody because our office was shut down early on. So th- those people were asking, actually, for uh, you know getting out there and understanding more and connecting with people. So what, what we try to do, especially for this group of uh, younger talents, we, we had a weekly call of small groups that uh, I was participating personally together with Carla Masperi, our COO, and our HR people in order to try to have a loose discussion without really an agenda, trying to understand what is what is going on. Also, with regards to our team, it was very important, especially in the beginning, to, to define what success would look like. So we, we, we thought ourselves not uh, as a mature company, but as a startup. 
And we have defined together as a management team following a, a, a very nice leadership virtual offsite. It was not really an offsite. We have defined seven scrum sessions. Uh, and, and those sessions were deliver, have been able to deliver to us ideas on how can we do digital demand generation? How can we expand the new areas of the market? And each of the teams had a, had a very specific um, uh, sense of direction, and they had to deliver very, very fast. That's why we call them scrums in a, in a startup way kind of, of operation. And going to our partners, we, we increased the proximity, quote unquote, in terms of having a tighter cadence, having more touch points as much as we could in different levels within the organization, trying to listen more, more carefully and try to identify opportunities as, as we were evolving. Interesting. And do you sense that that fast way of working, a scrum methodology you mentioned, is that something that you would see continuing past this pandemic? Uh, yes, definitely. Uh, I think the, 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 the factor of agility will remain as, as one of the topics that we have to, let's say, tackle as a company. We, we have to be more agile. We have to be faster. If we are faster, our partners will be more likely to be successful and our customers will uh, be more likely to, to have uh, faster results to, to their own business. Which, again, that, that maps onto what Sergio was saying earlier on with you know, the customers wanting that much faster response. And, of course, we all have to get into that mindset of delivering that from, from the very start. And Sergio, keeping on the, the the theme of that particular question, how would you assess how your teams have been working through the pandemic? I hesitate to use the expression mental health, but how would you how would you judge their ability to have worked within the environment and, and maybe some of the challenges they they've had? You know, there is always a, a curve in uh, in the maturity and uh, in the, the assessment. So, as I said at the beginning, I was really scared. I saw the people uh, uh, reacting uh, um, quite fast. The first two weeks were really tough, especially because Dubai transformed itself from uh, a social place where people are uh, used to socialize, being outside as soon as they leave the office altogether, into a ghost city where for, for a couple of weeks, uh, Manos, I know that I'm saying nothing new for you, but here for Dubai was uh, was really impressive, uh, the fact that nobody was uh, around the streets. Now, that said, I saw the teams transforming and being able to adopt the new normality, the new way of working. Then again, we had probably a, a valley in the curve after the summer because a lot of people left, a lot of experts that lost their jobs or could not sustain financially staying here with cut salaries. This has created again another period of concern with a low light that has lasted probably for the entire month of September. September, I have to say, that has been probably the, the worst month of 2020 for us. And then slowly, on the contrary, the people realize why probably with the positive news about the vaccine towards the end of the year, why probably because the market assess the first uh, access and acknowledge the first uh, uh, impact of the coronavirus or started reacting, I saw the people uh, transforming and becoming a, a bit more positive. Still, as Manos said, completely agree, the way of working has been uh, reset, has been uh, transformed. So, for example, the man generation, especially here in Dubai, that was uh, first uh, in the past used to be done through a massive uh, list of uh, events uh, happening uh, any day of the week, of the year, of the calendar. As of today, it's uh, everything digital. At first, uh, we had the first hiccups with the platforms, with the understanding of the customers of the new way of uh, conveying messages. But as of today, nobody is uh, asking anymore for a physical event. Everybody is prepared that the messages, the demonstration, the, the workshop, everything is done in, in a remote way. Now, let's be clear. I'm Italian and I'm living in the Arabic world. I'm a believer that we will resume traveling. That's for sure. People are asking this. But I'm also a believer that it won't be the same. Before, we were used to jump on, on a plane for us going intercontinental or uh, far away in international, 
for just one hour meeting. This won't happen anymore. But the proximity will re-enter again into our blood in the future. Nevertheless, elements like demonstration of the value, demonstration, easy approach and consume, and, and much more use of digital technologies, not only for discussing with customers, but also for our customers to reach their own customers. This will remain. This has been a disruption in, in the economy and in the, in the IT market. It's interesting, isn't it, that, that dichotomy between the human need to be social, but also then the business need to do things quickly. You're right, but, but the, the, the market and the world, it's becoming uh, uh, on a regular basis more uh, complex. It's demanding much more. So again, we will resume some human aspects, but the efficiency of being in uh, 20 calls per day and reach people that uh, otherwise before would have taken uh, much longer has increased uh, a lot uh, the, the, some elements of the efficiency. And this will remain. And it'd be interesting to see how many of those, those different things do remain with us. And, and that brings me on to the theme of our podcast I mentioned at the start, the theme of reset. We've, we've clearly now perhaps got an opportunity to learn from looking back at the last, well, nearly a year. It's virtually a year for you. Uh, Manos, I know I was in Dubai at the start of the start of March, and it was the following week where it hit the UAE. So we've got that opportunity to, to look back and, and, and learn. So for both of you, what would your top two to three learnings be? And, and of those, which of those are you absolutely going to take forward as you continue to execute business? So Manos, maybe, maybe you first putting you on the spot. I, I would say digital transformation meets human resilience was one of the themes that uh, was highlighted during uh, the last uh, 12 months or so. We always were saying that digital transformation is important for businesses to be able to compete, to be able to, to, to provide more to their end customers. But we never had this intersection of such a compelling global pandemic intersecting with, uh, with our economies and we, with ourselves uh, as people. So from one side, we had to be resilient. And at the same time, many of our businesses, uh, business stakeholders or partners or end customers, they had to digital transform in order to be able to perform in that uh, in this uh, situation. So for me, that was a big uh, takeaway because this intersection of two uh, important trends would um, uh, was never foreseen. The, the other thing I would say is that um, failing to prepare is preparing to fail. And although I would have loved to say that, it was actually Benjamin Franklin that uh, had, uh, had this quote. And, uh, you know, I would put it in the context that uh, we could never have predicted what happened. We, it, it was impossible. It, 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 is, uh, it is not uh, something that anybody could foresee. However, we need to be always at the top of our game because we never know what the next thing will be. And this is where I think many of our, of our customers are trying to, to define what is, what is, how can they be the best company they could ever be in these circumstances in order to be shielded from whatever is going to, to come next. So for me, these were the two top learnings in, in, uh, during these last 12 months or so. And Sergio, back to you on that point, you know, your top two, three learnings and, and those things that you think you would like to continue doing over the coming years. I would mention them across uh, three words. Together, remote, uh, that it's a bit of an oxymoron, <laughs> and the last one, it's uh, faster. These are the, the three takeover of the past uh, 12, 13 months. Together, because uh, as, as I was saying before, Really, the, the working together with a partner has, both, has a work both mentally, because you share the problem and you see that there are other companies with the same type of a problem, so you work together in order to resolve it, but also to amplify the capacity of helping our joint customers. So we, we provide uh, the best uh, business solutions. Uh, the partners are providing the best intelligent enterprise based on our business solutions. And if we don't make... Uh, this working properly, we cannot uh, go. Uh, remote, we discussed before, this has really transformed. Before, we were losing a disproportionate amount of time in, in commuting, especially in a vast region like the Middle East, Southeast. As of today, this has increased a lot the efficiency. Yes, uh, we are probably 
confined into a digital relationship instead of a physical relationship, but uh, you can have much more of them. So you are balancing on the problem. And faster because uh, the world has understood that they need to act faster, to react faster, because otherwise they are wiped out from the market, especially if I'm looking at the mid-market. And I've seen, and this has been quite teaching, companies acting faster, even in transforming themselves and changing the business. I just was reading a successful article today of a customer of ours that it's working in recycling, but they have launched a new area of business together with the Minister of Health and Prevention, and they have put in place, based on a SAP application helped by IBM, a solution in order to track all of the drugs that are delivered. The innovation, it's not only in terms of technology or solutions, but it's also in terms of business, and businesses that, especially here in the Middle East, can be diametrically opposite. I'm working in a completely different, but I have the possibility as of today, and I need to have the speed to completely transform and jump into another sector. And these are the companies that are resilient and will survive. Because as Mano said, the transformation of the world and the pandemic has taught us that these things are possible. Several times I thought at the beginning, am I in a science fiction movie or am I in the reality? These elements that are completely transforming from one week to the other, our way of not working, living, are happening. This is a reality. I think it's a very important point. It's not just about work, is it? It's how everybody's lives have changed in, in that last 12 months. So we're just coming to the end of our, our, our podcast. So we've got, I've just got one more, more question I'll pose to, to both of you. Kind of interesting question. Uh, maybe not one that, that you're, you're fully prepared for, but if you were to find yourself randomly stuck in an elevator with the Queen of England, who's perhaps not known for her knowledge of the uh, the IT sector, perhaps not, not SAP, even SAP perhaps. Um, how would you explain your business to her when she poses the question, so what do you do? How would you explain yourself? Manu, do you want to go first? <laughs> <laughs> That's a pretty British question, I would say. <laughs> Yes. So, yeah, if I, if I would say, I would say to the Queen of England uh, that uh, SAP is all about industry-specific, end-to-end, tightly integrated processes that gives uh, our customers the competitive edge. Excellent. That didn't give Sergio very long to think. What did you come up with then, Sergio? I think that uh, the, the best way in order to define SAP in front of the Queen uh, would be to tell that uh, we are helping company becoming uh, smarter, more intelligent, uh, and uh, do more business in order to help uh, recovery from the Brexit. <laughs> Far more erudite than me, because about all I could come up with was just being able to point out that most of the world's beer is manufactured using systems powered by SAP, as are most of the fridges that that beer then goes into. But she might not have that particular sort of interest. I suspect she's into higher quality types of drink than uh, than beer. Anyway. Thank you both for your fascinating uh, insights today. And I'm sure our our listeners and viewers will find that extremely uh, interesting uh, and enlightening. So that's it for the fourth episode of Reset from uh, SAP Amir South. I hope you've enjoyed it. Please join us for the next uh, in our podcast series as we explore the SAP business, how it, its partners and customers hit the reset button following the pandemic. And you can do that by subscribing to the series on your favorite podcast app, And I hope you've enjoyed listening. If you have, please give us a positive rating. Uh, But for now, from me, Rich Phillips, thank you for listening and goodbye.